Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 82. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who run a business while traveling in an RV. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Kyle Hinton from the RVers Insurance Exchange and Locally Grown Marketing. Kyle has been traveling full-time with his family in an RV since 2011, and after hitting the road, he realized one of the biggest needs for RVers, which is finding quality health insurance while on the road. It's a huge pain in the butt for anybody who's self-employed, but magnified that at least a few times for people who live in an RV full-time, so he decided to do something about it. He started the Health Insurance Exchange for RVers, and he built that up over several years and recently sold it. So today on the podcast, we talk about how he was able to discover this need and execute all the way through eventually selling that company. We also talk about a few other things on this podcast, like the deep relationships you cultivate while traveling full time and how to find good health insurance while you're on the road. And before jumping into today's episode with Kyle, I have a quick announcement. Starting tomorrow, August 9th, Alyssa and I are releasing our first batch of early bird tickets for the next RV Entrepreneur Summit, which we are hosting in Fredericksburg, Texas, February 22nd through 25th. You can go to therventrepreneur.com to learn more, check out some of the speakers and what's going to be happening. It's going to be an awesome event, and we're going to spend a week with, I know a lot of people come in early because everyone who has an RV doesn't just show up for the weekend. It's not like a regular conference, I've learned, where you just fly in for, you know, day before, because if you're driving to a destination, you want to spend several days there. So it's going to be a good time. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to meet people who are out full-timing on the road or transitioning into this lifestyle. So we're going to have a lot of speakers all built around people who have been running companies on the road and who have great stories and who have been living this nomadic lifestyle. It'll be a great time to build community, learn how to build a company while on the road, and a lot more. So if you want to learn more, go to therventrepreneur.com. And again, we're releasing those tickets tomorrow, which is August 9th. So hope to see you guys in Fredericksburg next year. Support for today's episode is provided by Outdoorsy. Outdoorsy is the largest and most trusted RV rental marketplace on the planet. Alyssa and I rented out our Winnebago Brave on Outdoorsy on several occasions like Christmas and spring break while we weren't using it and the entire experience was awesome. At first, the idea of renting our RV seemed a little crazy. What if somebody wrecked my house? But with Outdoorsy's one-click insurance coverage and driver history background checks for renters, it makes the entire process safe, super easy, and fully insured. If you already own an RV, Outdoorsy can be a great way to make extra income by renting out your unit. We know renters who have made over $20,000 in one summer by renting out their RV when they weren't using it. Or if you're looking to test out the RV life for a road trip, I would highly recommend using Outdoorsy's RV rental marketplace where you'll find RVs of all kinds, everything from large class A's to smaller vans and everything in between listed for rent at affordable prices. And bonus, you'll get to rent from dependable owners like us. To learn more and get $25 off your first rental fee, go to outdoorsy.co slash partner slash RVE. Kyle, thanks for being on the podcast with me. You are welcome. It's great to be here, Heath. I know I gave just a snippet of your life story since 2011, but maybe you can elaborate a little bit on what life has looked like for the past six years. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we launched late 2011. And, you know, I had a a small insurance business when we hit the road that uh, I started in Delaware, which is our old home state. Well, let me back up a little bit. We before we actually started RVing, I bought a motorhome in San Diego while we were living in Delaware. I bought it sight unseen. We decided to fly out to San Diego and drive it back to Delaware. 
and we decided to take six weeks to do that. Well, six weeks later, we're home, and uh, you know I'm still working on the road. And we got home, and we, my wife and I looked at each other, and it's like, man, we really, really enjoyed that. And I still was able to work, and none of my clients knew or really even cared that I wasn't in the office. So that got us thinking about, hey, I wonder if we could do this full time. Um, the rest is rest is history, I suppose, because. That's what got us looking into the full-time RVing lifestyle and signed up for some rallies with Howard and Linda Payne over RV Dreams. Went to a couple of those, hit the road in 2011, still continuing to work my small insurance business in Delaware. And it was probably about a year later, um, I had a lot of people asking me about health insurance on the road and what, what I'd recommend and Started talking to more RVers, people in that space, on the blog space, and realized there's a huge need for somebody to kind of disseminate good information for RVers on where to go and what kind of coverage they should be looking for. And that's when I launched RVer Health Insurance. And that went for about a year before Escapees RV Club approached me and um, talked about uh, working together to bring something to a larger audience, and we did that in 2013. And of course, that really took off. I, I really, I really didn't even know how huge the need was. And then when you add in the the healthcare legislation that really changed things, uh, the need just grew. So, yeah, I mean, we were we were we were customers back in 2015, and I didn't even meet you until like a month ago. Uh, so I right. appreciate that because it, it is a huge pain in the butt. It's such an unknown factor and thinking about, yeah. I mean, also we're young too. So there was a part of us, I think for one year, Alyssa didn't have health insurance, just to be honest. Hopefully nobody comes and knocks on sure. our door about that. But, uh, I mean, we were just thinking like, we're, we're pretty young, hopefully nothing happens and all that stuff. But I want to dig into more of our viewers health insurance exchange, but Zooming back a little bit, what incentivized you to buy an RV in the first place? Was it just going to be for random vacation trips and things like that? Or were you guys actually anticipating that this would morph into a full-time thing? No, I hadn't even heard of full-time RVing when we bought that. It was really just for, you know, longer trips. Uh, I mean, I was I was already able to to kind of step away from, from the office uh, quite a bit. But, um, yeah, the intention was to just travel with it from time to time. But no, full timing wasn't even on our radar. What was the office at this point when you said clients? Were you doing, were you selling insurance? Yep. Yep. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Just strictly health insurance and a, even a smaller niche within that for people that are retiring. Got it. It's kind of crazy when you think about our perceptions because, you know, you've been in the space since 2011, we, us since 2013 or 2014. And it's like your perception now, or at least mine is like, I live so much in this RV space that I'm constantly in campgrounds around other RVers, talking to other RVers. I follow them on Instagram and other social medias. And then you go hang around people who aren't RVers. Like we, we were going through New Hampshire uh, a couple days ago and we went by a friend's house who I used to work with. And we stopped at a party, parked our Winnebago in their driveway. And people were just freaking out about this. Like, whose RV is that? That's so cool. And, uh, you know, like, who's got a Winnebago in the driveway? And they're asking us all these questions. And it's it's a foreign world. They're like, you live in an RV? Like, yeah. how do you how do you work on the road? I was like, have you heard of the internet? And, you know, I, I wasn't mm-hmm. rude about it. But it's just so funny because we live in our own little bubble sometimes. And it's I think it's good to get out. That's just kind of a side tangent on, on my thoughts on that. Yeah, I totally agree. 
So you saw this need with Health Insurance Exchange and you launch it. There's so many questions I have with that because it is such a big need for people to have good health coverage as they're traveling. But how do you go? This is probably going to get into some nerdy talk that I won't even understand, but I'm going to ask anyway because I'm interested. How do you go from the idea of starting your own health insurance company? Because were you just were you still selling exactly what you were selling before? It was just kind of white labeled under RBR's health insurance and you had specific coverage for people who are traveling. How did that work? Right. Yeah. One of the biggest misconceptions is that um, RVR Health Insurance or RVR Insurance Exchange developed its own product for RVRs. That's not the case, really. That would be pretty impossible to do, really. Why is that? I just don't know the space. It's so. I think a lot of people are probably confused by it, but yeah. I mean, I'd have to. I'd have to be an insurance company, or at least be backed by an insurance company, and go through all kinds of um, application process. It would take. It would take years to get get a product like that approved. So that really wasn't what we launched for. The reason that I did it was just to help people navigate what was out there and to figure out what products they should be looking for that suit the lifestyle. Hmm. Okay. Because, you know, might be entering a little geeky territory here, but you know, HMO versus PPO, you know, what kind of plan should people be looking for? That's going to work across state lines. You know, what kind of networks do they have to to be thinking about when they're traveling? Uh, that type of thing. So it really was the idea was to just put a resource out there that would help people navigate the system more than anything. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. So you guys were essentially getting commissions because you're saving people lots of time and energy and making sure they get the right plans that will cover them on the road. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we're basically an insurance brokerage for the RV communities, in essence, what we are. Got it. And I I think I'd be a terrible host if I hosted this podcast and didn't ask for you to provide some, at least some bit of guidance. And I want to keep going on building the actual business. But as far as actually getting health coverage on the road, like, do you have any, I don't even know what smart questions to ask. Like, what is the first step? Like, what do people need to know if someone's just transitioning to being on the road? Uh, what are, yeah. and they're self-employed cause that's us. And if you have your own job, hopefully your insurance at your company can cover you on the road, but what kind of things do you need to be thinking about if you're transitioning to full-time on the road? And obviously it depends on so many factors, age, right. what type of health situation you're in and things like that. But what, if somebody was just transitioning and they were asking you that question, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, the first thing is when you're picking your state of domicile, make sure you know what options you have in that state because it's going to be a big factor for a lot of people in determining what state they're going to domicile. So that would probably be the number one thing is, is know what your options are in your given state. And then one, once you know your, your options, there are certain things you need to look for and be mindful of. Like obviously cost is a huge factor in, with health insurance and you got to factor in your your own health history, whether or not you qualify for a government subsidy if you're going to go the ACA route, and what some of the alternatives are to an ACA plan. So you you really have to do you have to do your own research, and kind of what I've tried to do is provide a map for people to do their own research rather than them reach out to me and have me tell them what to get. I don't really want to do that. I want to give people the tools to educate themselves and make the right choice for themselves because you know, what's right for me is not right for somebody else. I have a healthcare sharing program. <laughs> How funny is that? I'm a health insurance agent 
really. And then I have a healthcare sharing program myself because it's what works for me and my family. Yeah, that's what we actually end up doing after RV years insurance exchange is we are now on, uh, what is it? Liberty Health Sharing. Right, yeah. And for a lot of people, those work great. And for others, they don't work at all or they don't doesn't fit their philosophy and that's fine. So yeah, that's why I really try to tell people, look, here's the tools, here's the map, do your research with the information that, that we're giving you. Got it. When somebody asks you uh, about the health sharing, how do you describe that? Because I have trouble describing what our health, because we technically don't have health care, or is this still considered a version of health care? Can you call it that? You can call it a health care plan. You cannot call it health insurance. Got it. That's, that's the major distinction, because health insurance is a guarantee to pay. It's a promise to pay. And there's a contract with healthcare sharing. There is no contract, and the you know the sharing, the ministry uh, program, there there is no promise to pay, and you'll see that language a lot because and they have to use that language to differentiate their offering from an insurance plan, which you know insurance plans are regulated by state and federal governments, while the Healthcare sharing plans are not. So there, you know, there's risk involved, but yeah, the major distinction is it's not insurance, it's not a guarantee. But the cool thing is that over the past five, six years, these healthcare sharing plans have really evolved. And although the language is different than health insurance, they operate very much like health insurance does now. You know, you get an ID card, you have a large network that you you can uh, operate with them. Uh, You pay a monthly amount. They don't call it a premium. They may call it a member shared responsibility. They all call it something different. But, you know, it's just the language is different, but they work very much like insurance these days, which is convenient. Totally. Yeah, I think we covered up, I don't know, a million dollars each. And you put your money in a big pot. And then specifically, if somebody gets hurt or somebody makes a claim, your money goes to that person and you actually get... A, a note that says like your money went to Kyle this month because he broke his foot or something like that. Yeah. There's a, there's a level of access that you have there. And I guess while they're, they say that they're not, they don't have to pay out they're like they do. Otherwise they wouldn't be in business, right? Like it's not, Correct. I don't think it's common for them to make tons of claims and you can do, like you said, you can do your own research, talk to a lot of people. Yeah. We, we talked to several RVers and Alyssa's parents have worked in the health the health industry for a while, uh, selling product, medical devices and things like that. And they have health sharing. So we were able to talk with them and it's just a hairy, stressful experience. So yeah, again, going through you guys, even though we paid more for through our viewers and trends exchange than we are for health sharing, it was a very nice and simple process to go through there and just get something set up because my, my stipulation was I want us covered in all 50 States, uh, cause we're going to be traveling and moving a lot. So that was really helpful. Cool. Glad to hear you had a good experience. <laughs> yeah. So, so you start this business, and how do you start going out there and marketing it to RVers? Because this is a conversation you and I have had before, where the RV industry yeah. is blowing up. It's crazy because um, some quick fun stats are that before, like pre-recession, two thousand seven, I think there was a hundred over a hundred thousand RVs sold, all time high. Last year there was over 400,000. So the best the market ever was times four is currently what the RV industry is going through. And a lot of people are kind of writing the coattails of that, especially anybody who's in business, you know, catering to the RV market, whether you're a service, you know, RV manufacturer, whoever, everyone's kind of feeling that that wave a little bit right now. 
So you start this business and how do you start getting out there and marketing it specifically to RVers? I know that you said that you partnered up with escapees and escapers and all that good stuff. And I know you, you worked with some bloggers early on, but how did you actually start building all of those relationships where people would endorse you guys and share a bit about the health insurance exchange? Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it started because I had some relationships in place already, starting with the Howard and Linda over at RV Dreams. And it started with him and me talking to him about this need, whether it's a need. And he said, oh, yeah, it's a huge need. He said, be prepared if, you, if you're going to try and fill that need to get bombarded. I kind of brushed that off, <laughs> but he was absolutely right. So, yeah, it, I'll tell you what it really boiled down to is – filling a need right and i think that marketing becomes a lot easier especially in the rv community because we're all online we're all communicating through these great social media platforms and blogging that if you're if you are providing a, a good service to this community and filling a need it, it's going to get out there and it's going to get out there fast it got out there much quicker than i anticipated so, yeah, my initial growth was was all through blogging and word of bloggers and word of mouth, because these a lot of these bloggers who are, have been really successful in this community have great followings and reputations. They're often asked about health insurance. And now, you know, now I was able to tell them, look, I can help these people that are bombarding you with these questions and i had a couple of them say thank god because <laughs> i'm tired of feel, fielding these health insurance questions yeah we got a lot of them yeah yeah so it, it really was just filling a need and connecting with the people who were in the community for me that's yeah. really what took off totally and over you know when did you start you started in 2013 sold it in 2016 we're, yeah, sold it this year, actually. We're still oh, in the process of transitioning it to the new owner. But yeah, we just sold it a couple months ago, in fact. I mean, when you started it, did you have any anticipation or expectation to sell that business? Absolutely not. I mean, it, there's so many things that I didn't anticipate or plan with this business. I mean, it's a whole different subject, but I, I will tell you that I know I did not plan on building something and selling it. That was not my intention at all. My intention really was to build this to meet a need and to sustain ourselves on the road um, through that process. And it did much more than that. The need was much larger than I expected. The workload was significantly more than I expected. Ultimately, that's what led me to selling it was, well, that's, I don't know how deep you want to go into that, <laughs> but, but I'm really good at conceptualizing something and launching something, but I get I get bored with things pretty quickly. And so it was just time for me to move on to something else that I wanted to do. But to answer your question, no, there was there was no plan to do it this way at all. Yeah, I, I want to get into some of those reasons why you decided to sell it. But I just had a, a thought while you were describing that, which is you had a, a job or did you have your own business when you left selling insurance? No, I've I've always worked for myself really. Okay, um, gotcha. so I had my own, I had my own insurance agency there in Delaware. Okay. Gotcha. And did those clients carry over to the RVers insurance exchange or were those always separate? Always separate. Okay. Yep. Completely different uh, group of people. Totally not relevant. I was just curious about the transition into that business into the next one. Yes. So we were chatting a little bit earlier and you said, 
Uh, before we jumped on the call, you said that you hadn't felt like an RVer in the last two years. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So when we launched the RVer Insurance Exchange, of course, it really took off. And then when we partnered with Escapees RV Club, you know, they really were, were helpful in getting the word out there about what we were doing. I, I got to give them a lot of credit. They really, really do a good job looking out for their members. And that's what they wanted to do with, with bringing them this service. So we partnered with them and that ended up really bringing in a lot of traffic and a lot of, a lot of inquiries and questions and people that were planning on RVing. Finally, there's somebody here that can answer their questions during their planning stage. So we got hit pretty hard with, with a lot of uh, people asking a lot of questions because we've been so busy with that. I've been literally in my RV all day, every day. You know, and that's not why any of us hit the road. We're not hitting the road to stay in our RV. At least I assume the majority of RVers are are in it for the adventure and for the the excitement and, and seeing new things and meeting new people. And I, I just really hadn't done that. Because at that point, you might as well just stay at home because you're yeah. just sitting in an office. You're just saving money on gas, right? <laughs> right, right. So I never stopped to really evaluate. And this was an error on my part. I never really stopped any point in this process to really evaluate what is this going to cost me? You know, what's this going to cost me as far as my, this, this lifestyle goes. And it's, you know, it's, our beers are different. We factor that in as a top priority and what's this going to do to my time freedom. Right. And so I found, you know, after I, after a couple of years that, man, I'm just, I don't feel like an RVer. I feel like a permanent full-time mover. I feel like I'm just relocating here and there and just working again. And so I was getting pretty burnt out with with insurance altogether. And that that's kind of what led to the decision to to sell it and move on. And really, if I'm not the right person to continue to do it and build it and, and provide that great service that I I want the RV community to have, I had to have an honest moment and say, okay, if this is if I'm not the person to do that, I gotta find somebody who is. So I really want the RVer insurance exchange to continue to grow and be a great resource for RVers. And I think that, um, giving it to somebody that wants to do that is, is the right move right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. There's a lot of, there's a lot of irony in the fact that this podcast even exists or the summit or anything like that, because mm -hmm. if you think about it, you know, success as an entrepreneur inherently, well, not inherently, but implies like you bring on more clients, you get more customers, right. your business grows, your responsibilities grow, you have more team, you know, have, you have a larger team. So there's more communication that happens and like all of those things really, really push for more time. And I think yeah, that that's a, a, a weird place where I'm starting to feel a tiny bit of that right now. And I think it's a, it's a new challenge, right? Like you're, you always have a problem, but your problems change over time. Like a few years ago when we first hit the road, our problem was that we had to look at our bank account before we bought groceries because right. we need to make sure that there was enough money in the bank. We, you know, we were going out and doing plenty of, of adventures. And now that the problem has changed a little bit to, well, you know, making, you making a first hire and uh, bringing on a, a few more clients and, you know, looking at the, cl the contracts that are in the pipeline. Like we have a couple out for campground booking, knowing that, man, if these come in, you know, there's two more hires that are going to have to take place. And, you know, so it's just like all these different factors and they're all good problems. Like we're aspiring to build a, a business here, but you're right. It, it kind of contradicts a lot of the reasons we chose this lifestyle. So do you think that it's possible? I mean, I know there's, there's people out there like the guys from Basecamp. Have you heard of that? 
tool, basically. Yep. Yep. Project management. I mean, they're pretty notorious. He's wrote like Rework and some other good books that I like. You know, they're specifically nimble. I'm pretty sure they're all location independent. And they seem like they've done a really good job of keeping their priorities in line and honing in on specific projects. So, I mean, what would you say as like, what advice would you give for somebody who's out there? Like even somebody like me is like, after going through the process you went through, like how do you scale a business and grow and have it do well and not let it eat up all that time? Mm. Yeah, that's a really, really tough one, Heath. I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I told you my main reason for selling the RV or insurance exchange was kind of get some of my freedom back and pass it on to somebody else that can can do a better job with it. But and then I found myself moving right into something else. I can't. I'm I'm, I'm sick that way. I can't help it. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm constantly uh, building something, and it's definitely a difficult balance. And I've had to come to the realization that trying to balance work and life and RVing and family, um, I don't know if that's the right goal. I think it's more of, I think you and I briefly talked about this, about integration instead and how to integrate that stuff into your life rather than keeping them separate all the time. And so I guess my, my number one piece of advice is, is don't lose sight of why you're, why you're doing what you're doing. And I kind of had lost sight of that and was was not happy in it because of that. You know, know what's enough. Mm. Know what know what's enough for, for you and your family or or if you're solo, just for yourself and be OK with stopping there, you know? Yeah, I know, at least for me, I, I make excuses. And so for, for me, the excuse now is, well, a few a few months of hustling, I think we can pay off our, our student debt this fall, which is really something yeah. we've been aspiring to for a very long time. And there was one year where we were stationary for a long time. It was our second year on the road, scaling up our business, paying down debt. And we paid off, I think, $14,000 that year, and it was 27 total. And then last year, we were on the move a lot contributed a few grand, but mostly just paying off interest and stuff. And then this year, you know, it's like, well, okay, a little bit of period of time where you're hustling really hard and there's that light at the end of the tunnel, or at least I tell myself and I'm like, okay, we can kill off the dead and maybe we don't get to do as much adventures. And I don't know, but sometimes I guess it snowballs. I don't know if after this I'll have another excuse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's real important that in the RV lifestyle, you have to learn how to you have to learn how to be leisurely. You know, you have to you have to find those interests that you like in the RV lifestyle. Like for me, I, I love trail running and hiking and backpacking and kayaking. And I hadn't been doing any of that because I hadn't intentionally gone out and, and done it um, because I, well, I, I could sit here and make the excuse, well, I have this work to do. I, you know, I always wanting to provide good service. But I think you have to be very intentional about um, seeking out leisure in this lifestyle or or it's just not going to happen. You know, it's easy to sit here and work all day. Easy for some people, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like one practical solution for somebody in in your circumstance during that time was just hire more employees and make less revenue. So why didn't, like, I'm sure that crossed your mind, but then I guess you have more time yeah. that you're working with the employees and maybe there's certain things that can't be outsourced. Like, did you have, did you have a team uh, at RVers Insurance Exchange? Yeah, and I started doing that. I started bringing in some other agents and they're still in place. So we do have other agents that are 
Uh, a lot of that stuff is outsourced right now. And so that, that is one way to, to solve that problem. But this industry is a little bit unique in that there's, there's so many moving parts and that, you know, every state has its own rules and regulations and products. And there's just a, a large knowledge base, knowledge base that you have to navigate. And so I had to be real selective on, on what people could work within, Mm. within this business. And I also wanted to kind of keep it within the, in the RV community, people that could relate to the lifestyle. And I found a couple people and they're still working in it. Greg and Portia do a really good job with that. But yeah, I mean, I, I really just didn't want to get into hiring employees though and, and managing employees. It really boiled down to me wanting to move out of the insurance space, I suppose, Heath. Yeah. And that makes sense. So whenever you guys were traveling the past year, you have your daughter on the road, right? And your wife? Yes, our daughter's ten now, and she's so she's been on the road, you know, six out of her ten years. Gotcha. This is what she knows. <laughs> and so, how many people are in the RV? There's three of you guys. Right. Yep. Just the three of us. And what did that? What did y'all's travel schedule look like over the past six years? And how did that kind of change and adapt as the business kind of ebbed and flowed? Yeah, we we kind of moved every every one to three weeks when we started. And then we kind of settled into um, staying put for a month at a time, especially during the, the fall and winter months, the summer. And we kind of still do that in the summer. We, we tend to move a little more frequently. We kind of sprint across country. We find that we're wanting to visit family more now and our family's all over the place. So <laughs> we find, we find ourselves moving more than we really want to. That's another thing that's hard to say no to, right? Is right. all these, all these, all of these demands on where to go. I mean, we're, we've got so many endless possibilities. It's hard to make a decision on where to go. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think for us, that sweet spot is is staying put every every three to four weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys are actually staying in a house for the first time this winter. Trying that out. Yeah, we just just three days ago got the RV parked in front of this house that we are renting um, through this winter, kind of having to do with this whole process that we're going through of reevaluating our actions in, in this community and why we got into RVing and do we want to continue to RV? And if so, what's that going to look like going forward? Because you know, like I said, I haven't really felt like an RV or felt like a, a full-time mover. So yeah, the whole point in, in renting the house is to kind of collect ourselves, reassess, come up with a, a game plan for 2018. Yeah, I like that. So whenever you guys, y'all took that initial cross-country road trip, you realized that this was lifestyle was pretty cool. What, like, what did you anticipate hitting? I guess you didn't have much anticipation because you didn't even know what full-time RVing was. But after you all right. hit the road, what what was kind of the the dream that kept you excited about RVing, and did that come to fruition over the past six years? Like, do you feel like it's what you wanted it to be, or what you thought it would be? Yeah, there's been. I mean, there's been a, some letdowns for us. <laughs> if you if you think that the the RV lifestyle has not been fun, just go back and look over your pictures over the past <laughs> year, right? Right. I, I'm I'm blown away every time I complain about having to move again. I just go back and look at my pictures and I'm like, man, all the places we've been able to see and, and visit and the people, my God, the people that we've been able to meet and mm -hmm. uh, develop relationships with has been one of the, the most fascinating and rewarding things of this lifestyle. 
I 100% do the same thing. Like I'll feel really stressed and then I'll look back yeah. and see, wow, in the past month we went to this state park and this state park, we went to Bush Gardens and we've done this and that. And uh, it is one of the best things because you can look back and you feel really good and you're like, okay, we are going on adventures. We are doing a lot. And maybe for an RVer, I think that's another thing that I have struggled with is like, there's a false expectation that I hold myself to as an RVer that I should be playing this much and working this much. And I think for mm-hmm. an RVer, I work a lot, but for a normal person working a nine to five job, I probably play a lot too. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good point. Yeah. Thank you. I've said it before. This wasn't the first time. So I, I practiced, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I agree. And, and when I think about the relationships too, that we've met, um, it, it probably makes me, it does make me a little bit emotional even because like some of our very, very best friends, like people that we'll be friends with for the rest of our lives, we've met on the road and, you know, talk to them every day. And none of those relationships would have happened had we stayed put and knowing that we can roll, like we rolled into a random suburb of New Hampshire a few days ago and went to my friend's one-year-old birthday because his company helped sponsor Hourly America. And he was the guy, our first year on the road, we did a documentary called Hourly America. This guy was the one who helped make that happen. And from a sponsorship perspective, the company we worked with and we kept in touch and his son had his one-year-old birthday and we went to hang out because we happened to be driving through their town in New Hampshire. Like, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, the the relationships, I don't know what it is about the RV community, but I mean, I've had the richest relationships on in the six years on the road in my life. I mean, I've like you, I've developed lifelong friends that uh, even if I get off the road, I know will will stick. Um, and that's that's been amazing is is how authentic the relationships are that we've developed on the road. What has been one of the highest of the high moments for you? I'm not talking about if you visited Colorado or Maine where weed's legal. No, I'm kidding. Uh, what has been like one of the coolest moments for you guys? on the road, like when you look back, that kind of epitomized your lifestyle of travel or what you hoped it would be all the time? Yeah, great question. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it, it wasn't something I expected. And again, it's the relationships. It's really the, the people that have opened their lives up to us, which is which has made us comfortable opening up our lives to other people in such an authentic way. That has, that has absolutely been the most rewarding part for us is, is the authentic and um, genuine relationships and friendships that have developed through this lifestyle. I mean, there's, you know, like you said, there's all the, all the other cool parts of the lifestyle places that we've seen and visited. And I've had some pretty spiritual moments just visiting like glacier and hiking glacier national park and things like that. Those have, those have been amazing experiences, but you know, it always, it still boils down to the, uh, the friendships that have developed have been the most rewarding for us. Like I could speak for my wife. She would say the same thing. I love it. Well, what are you like, what is the next big thing for you? I know you said that you, you sold the business and then you immediately jumped into something else, even though you're already feeling overwhelmed. So it sounds like something I would do. Uh, but what is the next <laughs> yeah. thing for you? Yeah, this, this, uh, locally grown marketing. So I do SEO marketing for local businesses and I, I've been doing that for a while. And it's kind of part of the problem I was having with, with trying to balance that with, the RV or insurance is trying to do one business that I really didn't want to be in anymore and launch another one that I really did want to do. So I had to move away from the RV or insurance in order to focus on the new business. So yeah, the new thing is the SEO and marketing for local businesses, as well as training other RVers to, to learn that skill set as well, if they want to hit the road with something. I love it. 
Well, I will uh, link up to all of that in the show notes. Uh, the last question I ask, I ask this on each episode, Kyle, but when you think about RVing or maybe even slowing down and grabbing an Airbnb or rental in the winter and continuing to RV throughout other seasons uh, with your family and getting a new business going, how would you define uh, success for you in this lifestyle? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would define success for me in this lifestyle as being true to myself and what I want out of life and not just doing things simply because they're in my path and there's an opportunity there. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I love it. That's great. Where can people connect with you? A good place to connect with me would be, I mean, you can hit me up on Facebook, Kyle Henson. That's probably the best place to reach me. It's just Find me on Facebook. Awesome. I will link up to your Facebook in the show notes. Thanks, man, for being on the podcast. Thank you very much, Heath. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to our website at heathandalyssa.com and go to podcasts. Thanks again to Outdoorsy for sponsoring today's episode. If you guys haven't left a review in iTunes and subscribed, that would mean so much to me. I appreciate you guys. I think we're up to like 180, 586 reviews in iTunes, and I read all of them. I get a little ding notification when somebody leaves a review in iTunes, and I go read it. I wish I could respond to them, but I can't. So thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you for your support. If you ever have any subjects or people that you'd like me to have a guest on the show, always feel free to reach out to me, Heath at campgroundbooking.com, and let me know who you'd like me to interview on the podcast. I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur.